You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Well, there you go. Long-time listeners, I don't know what that means. That is the symbol or the sound for Straight Talk. This is your opportunity to make a phone call and ask any type of question that you might have in regards to what the church's teaching would be on on uh, maybe even the current events, what's going on in the world or theological events or anything that you see going on in your parish. You can make the phone call at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122 or via our Facebook page. This is your opportunity to kind of take control of the half hour show, half hour of this show. And so um, uh, as typical, we will expect the questions to come in in the last 10 minutes of the segment, but uh, hopefully we'll have some brave people to to make some calls or submit some questions in advance of that. So again, that's 877 or via Facebook. Again, we, we missed this last month. Um, Cindy, we were supposed to be, I was supposed to be in Florida. And so that's why I didn't do the trip. Um, uh, I didn't do the show, but um, Mother Nature had other plans for me to go to Florida, so we had a big storm when I was supposed to leave, and that uh, we had a big kibosh on that thing. So uh, again, that's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Boy, that was quick. We already have a question via Facebook for Straight Talk. Do you want to ask that, or do you want did me Mary to? know from the beginning what was going to happen to her son Jesus? Did she know what Simon meant Simon. when he said? A, a sword shall pierce your heart. That's a good question. Uh, thank you very Obsidian. much. Sorry, and so, um, uh, you know, I mean, would did Mary know, like, for sure it was going to happen? No, I don't think she knew exactly what was going to happen. But she certainly knew something was going on. And as you mentioned in your own question, so they go to present the child Jesus, and this old guy shows up, and he says, okay, I'm going to take this kid, and holds the kid and says, this kid's going to be the downfall of many. And a sword's going to pierce your heart too, Mary. She had to wonder what the heck that was all about. And as she saw her son growing up, not a normal guy, not a normal child, um, she had to know some of the things that were happening that uh, um, that his end would be different than any others. And so did she know with exact certitude? No, she didn't. But did she have a sense of it? Absolutely. How couldn't she have and so um, that was a good question via Facebook. That was a great and so let's keep the questions coming. Let's keep them going at 877 795 Again, that's 877 795 or via Facebook, just like our last uh, question came from. So you're extremely busy, but I know you've had a couple funerals. What happens when you're like so scheduled out, but then you have to do a funeral? Yeah. How do you? So like yesterday, they wanted the funeral yesterday. And so I said, okay, this is what my schedule looks like. And so I kind of shoehorned them in. Sometimes I can okay. change things, you know, on my schedule, but I can't always do that. And so like yesterday's funeral, they were flexible. They wanted it yesterday. So we had it at 1215, which is like an hour <laughs> and 15 minutes off of the normal time. But they wanted it yesterday. And so I was able to fit that in. To that point of my day and so yeah that's the thing about being a priest is that your your life can be very crazy especially during Lent but then when a funeral comes everything changes and you've had a few of them so well, well, a couple yeah, of them. that's the life of a priest so anyway we've it got is. a listener's question question not on the phone 
is belief in Mary necessary for salvation? So I don't know what she what this questioner means by belief in Mary. Would ask maybe to be a little bit more descriptive of that, but uh, um, uh, I would say um, for salvation, belief in Mary. Again, I'm going on something not a clarification of what you're asking. Believe I can in Mary, maybe but, clarify it for you. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that you can be you can be a Jewish person and be saved. You can be an atheist and be saved, right? So, is it necessary? No. But as a Catholic, to understand the extraordinarily singular role that Mary plays in our salvation, to be a good Catholic, yes, I would say to be a good Catholic, you have to have the belief in Mary's role and her significance. Great answer. So, but as far as like the you know the the, the um, detail about what this listener is asking about. I don't know a specific belief in Mary, but understanding that Mary is the Theotokos, the God-bearer. Yeah, okay. And so if you're going to be a faithful Catholic, that's something you have to embrace. It's part of our faith. And so uh, it, it's necessary to be a good to be a good Catholic, yes, to have a certain level of veneration and reverence for the Virgin Mary. But not for salvation, necessarily. Good question. 877 Seven nine five zero one two two. I like that these questions are actually coming early on. You know, I I I beat the drum often enough to say that these questions need to come earlier. That people are actually listening. Oh, I feel like people are listening. It's been happening so often. You're not going to be able to say that it, anymore. It's, it's, it's like it's like the radio. It's like real presence radio listeners are listening more than my parishioners because it's like I could say this the whole time. My parishioners wouldn't give a rip about what I'm saying. So well, maybe yeah, that's so not if you're exactly listening. true. Prishner, you need to call in, Joe. Yeah, Gerard. exactly. Well, there's 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 a lot of other prisoners that are listening know, too, and you can call him. in at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Again, that's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or via our Facebook page is also an opportunity to uh, submit a question. No questions are off limits, and if it is off limits, I just won't answer or, or I'll ignore it. But uh, as far as I'm concerned. Nothing is really off limits, and I like I like questions about um, uh, not just theology, Catholic things, but also um, uh, current events. I love that sort of stuff too. Anyhow. Okay, we do have another one. All right, and it's I understand the church's teaching and cremation and not spreading them in inappropriate places. Can you explain why relics are okay? It just seems odd to me. Yeah, it's another excellent question. So you know, the thing is that I remember. Let me put it this way: when uh, when Abraham Lincoln died, like right upon his death. I can't remember who said it, but somebody on his uh, cabinet or something said, this man now belongs to the ages. In other words, he's bigger than what he was in life. And when a, when a saint dies, when somebody dies at, and then they eventually become canonized, now they belong to the church. All right, So it's, it's not just that it was like, let's say, um, you know, let's pick a saint. Let's say... Uh, Saint Gianna Mola. All right, Saint Gianna Mola. Upon her death, upon her canonization, she is now bigger than what her family would experience because now she belongs to the church. And in belonging to the church, there is, you know, I mean, ancient, even pre-Christian uh, um, uh, um, uh, practices in regards to relics of holy people. And so, as part of the faith life of the church, it is and, and always has been uh, part of the tradition in regards to bringing relics of a saint so as to connect them in a very tangible way in a, not, not only in a spiritual realm but also in an intercessory realm to have something of that saint in a particular community so, say for example if a church is named after that saint and so it's a little bit different for somebody that's a canonized saint versus you know um, grandma it, that that will maybe a saint but not a canonized saint 
who is not the uh, a special role in the church that a, a universal saint would have. And so you're right, on the face of it, it seems almost contradictory. It's like, well, why can't we spread ashes, but we can spread saints' bone parts all over the uh, the world? It's really two different roles. Uh, the role of a relic is different than a role of grandma's ashes. And so that's where the... Uh, the response to that question. But it is an excellent question. I've gotten it before um, uh, in person as well. And so people are asking questions like that. If you have other questions, call 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or via our Facebook page. These questions are excellent so far. I know. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever been stumped? Of ever. course I've been stumped. Really? Well, I mean, I get stumped when they're silly questions. Like, you know, I mean... What was the 18th Pope's great-grandpa's name? Like, um, you know, stuff like that. It's gotten to that point. They have to ask you Well, little so kids crazy. would ask stuff like that. You know, but, but as, far as, like, um, as far as like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I can get stumped. You know, and so I'm not going to tell you the area that I'm weak in because so, I, I don't want to get a lot of phone calls for that. But, you know, like some stuff like medical ethics, you know, Catholic medical ethics. I mean, that's tough for me. That's tough. I know basics, you know, but, you know, usually true Catholic medical ethicists in the church are doctors medical doctors. Mm-hmm. That is not me. And so you can get really lost in the weeds with some really um, uh, uh, gra- you know, important um, uh, you know, questions of gravity in regards to the ethics of, in our Catholic Church teaching that I would be at loss for. And so, uh, but most people don't have questions like that. They have questions about their, their day-to-day walk in life as faith. And then, and then as I've said, you know, maybe what they speculate, what's going on in world events and how does it apply to our Catholic faith. Those questions are easier to, to handle. But you do have a phone, a doc, so that's good, because you could always... Yes, i got several friends that are do- doctors that I've uh, <laughs> been able to ask, but I don't know if they're necessarily Catholic ethicists. I either. know, right? It's like you've got to kind of think, huh? No. So 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or via our Facebook page. Let's keep those questions coming. We've got plenty of time yet to take them. So... Um, What's uh, what's the big thing on the world news that's uh, on your mind, Cindy? I actually don't watch much. Are you giving it up for Lent, kind of, or you just kind of gave it well, up? Well, yeah, I just kind of gave it up because my mental health needed a break, and, yeah, I, your and ment- I'm enjoying your, it your, way too long. Your mental health did need a break. I think. I think you're it right. Did. I really <laughs> need to. I mean, God's in charge. That's it. Right. Exactly. So no, it's like. I, I'm just praying for innocent people that are involved right. in what's going on. I mean, I know a little bit of what's going on, but for me, in my life as priest, I get too many questions from people asking about certain things, and so I would like to be able to take a break like that. But I know that it wouldn't serve my ministry well. But I never would take a break because I'm a no. News junkie. I was going to say I'm you're a news, news junkie. junkie. There's no way. Uh, so that's why I you love, could give it up for less. That's why I love those types of questions. <laughs> so anyway, we do have a, a, a caller on the phone, Nathan. Welcome for being the first caller online. Hello, Nathan. Oh, oh. Nathan is not on. Well, okay, I guess he's not okay. on. It said it turned green, but that's okay. Yep. We're getting conflicting messages oh. on our board, but I'm okay with that. I can say I can handle it. Better that. Nate than ever. Be- better what? That's a, it's a movie. Oh, better Nate oh. than ever. Okay. Nathan, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, welcome to Real Presence Live. What's your question? Hey, I got a question for you guys. Um, I, I've been reading the Bible and stuff, and I've been looking for a reference um, to um, to kind of back the fact to um, confess our sins to priests. And I would like to know um, where I could find that. Um, it's, I've been having a hard time finding finding a verse that says um, to confess our sins to priests. 
Excellent question. Okay, so here it goes, all right? There, I'm going to give you a couple of them really quick. All right, so the first one is, is the most compelling one. So the first one is, if you were to think back as the single most important day of the life of Jesus before he, uh, you know, assumed into heaven. You, uh, Nathan, you got a lot of feedback. You might want to turn down your radio there a little bit or something. But anyhow, so when Jesus rose from the dead, single most important day in the history of Christianity, single most important day in the history of the created world, the day he rose from the dead. That's what makes us Christian, because he rose from the dead. The very first thing that Jesus said to his apostles as a group after he rose from the dead on Sunday night, Easter Sunday night, was whose sins you forgive, they're forgiven them. Whose sins you hold bound, they're held bound. Now, Jesus was crucified in essence for, for going around forgiving people their sins because people kept saying, well, he's acting like he's God. And in no place up until that point did the apostles ever get the a power and the, the authority to forgive sins, only at the point of the resurrection. So we would think that the very first thing that Jesus says to his group of apostles after rising from the dead would be quite significant, right? And so the apostles are the first priests as a result of what happened at the Last Supper. And so when he says, your sins are for whosoever sins you forgive, he gives that authority to the priest. Now, let's fast forward to the letter of James. The end of the letter of James, we, um, we are familiar with the idea of uh, the anointing. We say the sacrament of the anointing sick primarily comes from First James, or at least in detail. But um, also in that regards, James also speaks about um, confessing your sins to the, el to the elders. And so uh, they don't use the term priest. That's a later development that we use as Catholics. That wasn't a scriptural term in the, in the Christian realm. But uh, the clear evidence is there as just the two that come to the top of my head. Okay. Um, I have a follow-up question for that, okay. if that, that's all right. Um, well, I, I was reading, and uh, I'm trying to remember the reference, but I believe it's in Timothy. Um, it said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he's talking about uh, Jesus Christ. And um, what would really stop me from, um, you know, being in my bedroom and confessing my sins there, you know, because if Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and the scripture is true, what would be the benefit of, um, of going to a priest if I can just go directly to Jesus? Right. Well, very. Yeah. Very good. So, um, uh, um, I don't know, Nathan, if you're uh, a Catholic or not, but from the Catholic standpoint, you know, when we look at the priest's role in the sacraments, you know, nobody would ever say, "Well, this priest is getting in the way of my wedding day," or "This priest is getting in the way right, of right, this right. priest is getting in the way of the mass," and I don't know why. This priest is getting in the way of my kid getting baptized. No, nobody would ever say that because in every other sacrament, they recognize that the priest is in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. So why some people choose to decide that the priest is in the way when it comes to confession is kind of befuddling when we don't say that about any of the other sacraments. And in reality, we don't really go to the priest because the priest is in persona Christi when it comes to the sacraments. And since that's the way that Christ set it up with his apostles on Easter Sunday, we, wouldn't be, we shouldn't be dismissive of what Christ and how he set it up. Okay, And so it's like, well, Jesus, I know this is the best way you'd set it up, but I'm not going to go the way you set it up. So... We don't recognize Christ getting in the way uh, of any of the other sacraments, so um, it, it doesn't make sense that we would say that he gets in the way of this sacrament either. I don't know if that helps. hope it does. Yeah, yeah well, I'm not really saying it gets in the way, but I mean, I'm just kind of saying if, if the Bible says I can ask Jesus for forgiveness of sin, you know... Yeah. Um, no, that's excellent. You know, and, yeah, and that's exactly what confession is. 
that be wrong? Would that be wrong to just be in my bedroom and ask forgiveness of sins? Would I still have salvation? I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the terminology, would it be wrong? But as a Catholic, I would say it would not be the fullest, uh, um, it wouldn't be the, the way that we are called to do it. As Catholics, again, I don't know if you're Catholic, but as Catholics, we are given the responsibility, and it's not really a responsibility, we're given the gift of the sacrament of reconciliation. And to be dismissive of a gift that Jesus gave us would be uh, not the uh, proper way of being a Catholic. And so I'm not going to say wrong, but if you're not a Catholic, you're not held to that responsibility, right? So if you're not a Catholic and you're lying in bed and say, okay, I really screwed up and I, God, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. But for Catholics, you know, I'm a, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and as a, a, the Catholic Church, we've retained the sacrament ever since the time of Jesus. We didn't, uh, we didn't get rid of it. And so that responsibility is still there. Right. But Nathan, that's a very good question. Right. We, do have another, we do have another question, uh, but thank you okay. very much. Uh, excellent. Okay, thank you for calling in. Yep. All right, so this caller would like to know, one, what are the requirements to be named a doctor of the church? And two, are any individuals been declared a doctor of the church recently? Yeah, very good uh, uh, question. So a doctor of the church is somebody, now it's always, it's, it's up to the Pope, you know, so the Pope chooses who the doctor of the church is. But a doctor of the church is somebody who, it's not a medical doctor, it's somebody whose writings become very significant for the life of the church, where it's like, okay, this person's theological writings are um, uh, of uh, import to such a degree that the Pope wants to elevate this person to the level of doctor. So it just confirms the importance of their of their writing, theologically and even spiritually. And certainly there have been a number of them that have been uh, done recently. Um, there's one just recently by St. Francis, Pope Francis, and I can't remember the most recent one, but uh, like St. John of Avila, uh, he was, uh, I think that he was done by Saint by Pope Benedict XVI. Of course, St. Therese of Lisieux was a spiritual um, a doctor. That was by John Paul II. Um, uh, who, there's, a, there's a handful of other ones that have been recently. I think there's like 37, 38 doctors of the church now, but there has been a flurry of new ones recently. So um, I think that if you were to do a simple um, a Catholic Answers Google search, that you would find the most recent ones. But again, very good question. What do you think good of that, job. Cindy? I think you're doing excellent. With the whole voice thing, I can't even tell now. It's you like can't, you're, well, because you're already used to the, the to the irritating sound of my sick sick voice. Well, maybe a little bit, but you're right on. Oh, thanks. All right, so eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We still have a few question, a few minutes. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. There is a question that is being baked up in the in the oven right now, and so we'll wait for that to turn green. But in the meantime, you can visit our Facebook page and uh, and or make a phone call. We uh, we had Nathan um, call earlier. He's our one phone call in. He did a great job. I loved his question. So thank you very much, Nathan, for listening and asking those questions. We finally do have our question ready. All right. We have a question from Vicki. I've been told that our destination, heaven or hell, is decided when we are born. If so, why do we offer masses and prayers for souls? Thank you very much, Vicki. Well, I don't know who told you that. So, um, uh, you know, we are we don't believe in predestination in the same way, say, like Calvin would have believed in predestination. We have to always differentiate. And people have a hard time, you know, wrestling with this, but we have to differentiate God's pre-knowledge or foreknowledge and God's cause. Foreknowledge, pre-knowledge, and cause are two different things. Just because God knows where we're going to be doesn't mean God causes us. We're given total, complete free will. And so it's not determined upon, and some would say, well, it's not even determined upon your birth. 
it's determined long before you were even conceived. You know, that's what, you know, maybe Calvinists would say, although I'm not an expert on Calvinism. But, uh, but no, we are not predestined to heaven or hell. And so, therefore, you know, I mean, I, again, I don't know necessarily how this applies to the question in regards to masses and prayers for the souls of the dead, because that's kind of a, a different can of worms. That's the issue of, of uh, purgatory, which is neither heaven nor hell. But the idea of, uh, you know, of, of the... Um, uh, you know the purification of our souls based on our sins and the the effects of sins on our soul. That's a that's a different matter than what the first part of your question seems. But anyhow, we we are not predestined. God's foreknowledge is not the uh, is not the same thing as a cause. Good question. Thanks, Vicky. All right, we have another question that's being baked in here, and so we do have a we do have a few minutes. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. That's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Or via our Facebook page, where a lot of people are going through that way, the Facebook page. And so, either or, we'll take it. So, anyhow, um, here we go. There yes, we go. Yes, now we have a comment from Phil. One has to wonder in amazement at the thought of Jesus died on the cross for us sinners and not for the angels who are pure in love and serve him flawlessly. How great and powerful is love how great and powerful his love is for us. Exactly, Phil. I mean, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to call the righteous. You know, I, I, I came to call sinners. And, uh, and, of course, we all know that we're all sinners. There's really no such thing as a true righteous person. People might think they're righteous, but they're not. And so Jesus is the one that gravitated towards those that were sinners. You know, I think to myself in the modern day, it's like, where would Jesus gravitate to now? You know, it's like, you know, I've been very active in, our, in one of our soup kitchens here in town, uh, in Duluth. And, uh, you know, that's a really motley group that, that goes to our soup kitchen here in Duluth. And, and I think to myself often, would Jesus be more drawn to our soup kitchen than to my parish? And I'd say probably, you know, he went out to those that were uh, sinners, ones that were, you know, addicted, ones that maybe dealt with mental illness. And so, you know, we have to be careful not to be judgmental of people that we see, you know, uh, in bad behavior situations. Uh, even small cities have big sinners, and those are the people Jesus would have been drawn to. So again, uh, Phil, thank you very much for that. And uh, we church-going Catholics have to remind ourselves of that. You know, maybe Jesus wouldn't be so drawn to our parish as he would to a to a place that would have been downtown in center city. You know, mm-hmm. but again, excellent uh, excellent point. So again, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. I'm simply amazed nice by the number flow. of questions. These, I know. these questions are great. This is great. And, and 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 so we uh, are uh, we have about five minutes or something like that to the next break, and so we're still taking some questions. We do have another question that is in the oven waiting to turn green, uh, and you can uh, you know keep asking questions as far as I'm concerned. I can put the trivia away. I figured I'd use that as backup. Did you have a trivia question? No, oh, I'm just kidding. Okay. You should but come it, with trivia questions sometimes. You know what? Sometime. If, if we have some downtime, I like hearing your trivia. Like, you're really good at trivia. I have, so. a, I have a person come in. Uh, they don't do it so much anymore. They'd come in every Mass on Sunday or Saturday night. They'd have a Pope question for me beforehand. It's oh. actually, it actually our next guest's husband. That doesn't oh, really? talk to him about that. But, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, uh, so we do have another question coming in. But, um, uh, we're waiting on that one. So I love, you're right, I love trivia. And so it's like, my brain is full of truly useless information, so I do belong to a trivia team. I go to a trivia. Uh, I'm in trivia league on uh, Sunday nights. And so, Are you winning every time? Do you no, guys take no, first every time? no, we don't. No? But we, we generally place most every time. Okay. And so um, I don't know if we get time for. I'll just say the number anyhow as a filler. So eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. As this long question is being baked in our uh, in our question oven, and it just oh, finally turned it. green. Okay, John from Lankin, North Dakota. 
Why are our priests called fathers versus pastors? I once heard a baptism, a Baptist minister state that the Catholic Church has it wrong and that we should not call our priests fathers. Yeah, that's based on, thanks John for the question. So it's based on the um, uh, the passage in which Jesus says, call no man your father. You have one father, your heavenly father in heaven. And so there's a lot of people, Jesus was a man of hyperbole. You know, he was a man, he was a Jewish man of his time, which is a very much a uh, um, an era of hyperbole. And so Jesus used hyperbole often. And so he, he also said, so I'll, let me just say this, uh, John. One time, dressed in my clerics, I was at a hospital and I had a guy came up to me and he said, are you a priest? And I said, well, yes. He was, he was like the, obviously he was pretty observant. I was wearing my clerics. And, and, I, and I said, I am a priest. And he started to chew me out. He said, why do they call you father? He said, Jesus said very clearly, don't call any, any man father. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll answer this question if you answer my question. And I said to them, it was right there in the lobby in the hospital. I said, I said why do you still have both of your eyes? And the guy looked at me and was like, what are you talking about? Because I said, Jesus also said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, do you think he was speaking literally? No, he was not speaking literally. And so, if you're going to take one part of the Bible literally, you have to take it all. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not taking any of it literally. You're being the arbiter of what should be literal and what not shouldn't be literal. So, either you take it all literally or none of it literally. And so, there are many times afterwards, after Jesus says that, throughout the rest of the New Testament, where the term father is used for other people. You know, And so, it was never meant to be referred to as this, this literal sense of calling no man a father. Otherwise, you could never refer to your dad as a father. So, and, you know, I would say, John, it's a good question, but that uh, the Baptist minister that you make reference to was a little bit off on that one. But Baptists often are, um, are literalists in their translation. Not always, but lots of times they are. But it's pretty easy to address um, a, a fundamentalist, literalist translation of the scriptures because, like I just said, the argument I made, you cannot pick and choose what you're going to take literally or not. And Jesus uses all sorts of hyperbole, you know, like the, you know, the camel going through the eye of the needle. You know, cut your hand off if it causes you to sin. Tell me one of those people are going to take that literally. And if they have a problem with um, uh, some of these other ones, uh, what do they think of when Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood? You know, and so it's like, there's all sorts of problems for people that um, uh, um, pick and choose in regards to what they want to take literally and not to take literally. We had a lot of great questions. We are coming towards the end of our straight talk. This might be a record, Cindy, in regards to questions we've had. We didn't have a lot of di- time to kill. No, it was a great flow. Yeah, it was questions. great. And yeah. so, uh, and so, um, uh, I like the questions. They are they are good, um, uh, thought provoking questions. And uh, make sure you remember that. So, I, I don't know if the the people behind the scenes here on Real Presence Radio, if they like, if they like, store up these questions on oh, Facebook when people send them in. But good. keep them sending, keep sending them in because we love the questions. You can't love something you know little about. The more you learn about the faith, the more the more you will love it. And so, asking questions is a good way of doing that. So thank you very much for doing the straight talk. We had a lot of great callers, and we'll continue our conversations with spectacular guests and exciting guests soon after this break. Catch you on the other side.